Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C-H-E-F-R-A-N-J-O-H-N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. Yeah, coaches from everywhere get on. You know, Paul, as he says, in, in Iowa, I'm down here in Tallahassee, Florida. We got Huff and Georgia. We just kind of move back and forth. And, you know, a couple of our other coaches in Georgia and Cincinnati, it's been amazing. And today we have Patrick Ewan Jr. with us. And when I reached out to him, it was like, yeah, no problem. So sitting here talking to you just before we started today, it just made more sense, you know, paying attention and watching how, you know, you're a father and a husband and, you know, your career has just been so amazing. But the biggest thing that just stopped me and had me enamored about you was in, in midst of all of your resume and anything that you had going on, you made it key to say the most important thing to me is being a child of God, a man of God. And that right there just really stumped me in my tracks because when we talk about being servant leaders, those are the type of people that I want to talk to. So I just thank you so much for your time. As people hear me say all the time, time is priceless because once you give it, it cannot be returned. So I just thank you so much for being here today, joining us today. And um, I'm going to go ahead and just start talking, man. If you just could give us just a little bit about your journey. You know, we we see the name, we see what you're doing, we see the family you're from. But just talk to us a little bit about your athletic journey. Um, you know, I think my athletic journey has been kind of crazy because, as, as you can hear my sound from me in the background, uh, <laughs> But um, it's been it's been it's been different. Uh, I think you know if you look at who I am and where I come from, or you know where I don't come from, I guess I kind of been everywhere in my whole life. Like you know, like you said, you know, Coach Huff right here, he represents one of the high schools I went to, and I went to, I think four high schools. Uh, so I've in in three different states. So my journey's been different. Um, you know, I didn't play organized basketball uh, until I was in the fourth grade, and then after the fourth grade, I didn't play again until I was a sophomore in high school. So for me, it was just, you know, me falling in love with different sports. I played soccer. I played baseball. My parents never let me play football, but I always wanted to play football. You know, I think my parents were very unique in the fact that, you know, as, as opposed to what you see with a lot of parents now, and they make their children focus on one sport at a young age, my parents allowed me to to grow and, and, and kind of figure out which route I wanted to take. And they didn't kind of, you know, even though my dad was Patrick Ewing or is Patrick Ewing, and he is a you know great talent in basketball, he wasn't the one who was like, hey, I want you to do this. I'm a, he, he allowed me to find my path. And, and even if it wasn't in athletics, I mean, because if, if I was being honest, I remember back in the day, he didn't even want me to play basketball. He wanted me to be a lawyer, a doctor, something where the career longevity is, is a lot greater. But, you know, being that as a, as a child, you know, one thing I was thinking about a couple of days ago is like, you want to be like superheroes. Like everyone grows up and there's a, you know, you want to be Batman, you want to be Superman. And for me, my superhero was my dad. And I, and I say that because in, in many ways in that, you know, you think about superheroes and you think like the action figures, where they had Patrick Ewing action figures. They had Patrick Ewing dolls. I could see him on TV, 
you know, almost nightly, you know, as, as, as opposed to like watching Batman once a week. So everything that you think that you see in a superhero as a, as a child growing up, I'm, I got that as, but he's at, he lives in my house too. That's the only difference. I know he's a real person. I see him flying in the air every day. So he allowed me to become who I was growing up. And so after high school, um, I kind of just, you know, I, well, going into high school, I played for two and a half years in high school. I played basketball for two and a half years. And, you know, I remember the first time that uh, someone told me that they could be, that I could be a, uh, make money playing basketball was John Thompson Jr. Uh, and John Thompson Jr. was someone who knew me my whole life. I went to his camps growing up every year for two weeks. I, and, you know, for me, it was just like, he finally saw me play one time. And he's like, you know, today's the first day I saw you play. And I really believe that you can make money or, you know, play at the college level if you decide to dedicate yourself to doing it. And I think that's kind of when, in my mind, I was like, all right, like, I enjoy playing these other sports, but if I want to make a career out of this, I can do it because there's a person who I've known my whole life who finally says, I mean, not finally says, but who's put people in the NBA, Hall of Famers in the NBA, you know, recruited the best talent. And he's telling me that he sees something in me that he thinks that I could be like those guys. So uh, I started focusing on basketball. From that point forward, I started playing AAU. I started taking my grades, more, my class more serious, which was, you know, the most important. I started taking my classes more serious and, you know, found my way to college. And, you know, from, from college, you know, I felt like I, I spent two years at the University of Indiana. Uh, didn't, didn't love it. Uh, I, loved, I loved the university, but I didn't love my situation as far as making myself a better player. And so I felt like it was time for me to move on after two years. And I, honestly, I made probably what will go down as the best decision I probably ever made in my entire life outside of marrying my wife and having my kids. And, you know, the rest is history. I mean, like, I, it, if I didn't go to Georgetown, I wouldn't be here today. You know, it made me the man I was. It allowed me to grow up and develop into the, not only the basketball player, but the person that I am today. Because if you ask somebody who met me when I was young, um, they would probably tell you that I probably wouldn't have became much outside of athletes, uh, outside of athletics. And it was going to Georgetown and getting that education and meeting the people that I met that allowed me to grow up and become the person that, you know, you see in front of you today. And then of course, after, after college, you know, I had a eight year professional career, which we can all, we, you know, we can touch on, you know, later further down in the, in the conversation. Yeah, coach, that's awesome. You had me over here awing. I'm telling you my little girly side came out, but you know, truly, I think that's amazing because it's exactly what you said. You know, I tell people all the time, I don't have children yet, but one of the biggest things I tell them is I want them to, um, figure out their own path. You know, I play, mommy played basketball, but I want you to figure out what it is you want to do. And so I think that's so profound what you said that your parents instilled in you to figure out your own path. Um, and, and, and to hear that, you know, your dad's your superhero. I think that's just amazing. And, you know, being able to just take a look throughout your journey and recognizing what's for you, recognizing that in order to be better, that I need to put these things in order. And especially even for those younger listeners here, understanding that grades, you pinpointed that. I needed to get my grades in order. I need to get my life in order. And being surrounded by a village, there was so many things that you said in there that if people didn't take the time to see, that village game was strong around you. And you, you took advantage of it. You didn't, you didn't waste it. You heard what they said. You heard what the legend said, uh, your parents said, and, and you forged your own path. And for that, you know, much respect to you. Um, 
hearing what you said and talking about, you know, those journeys between those different high schools and going to, you know, Indiana and, and making a decision to transfer and now going to pros and things like that, what are some roadblocks that may have come athletically or just in your life um, that you found and faced in your career? Um, you know, I think, I think everyone goes through some kind of roadblock at some point. And I think the first kind of roadblock I had was what most people have is injuries. Uh, when I was young in high school, I had a micro fracture and that's about 2000 or yeah, like 2000, 2001. And that's in high school. And at the time, this is when, you know, players like Amari Stoudemire, Penny Hardaway, like those were almost like career enders for them. Or they, you know, pretty much were. They never were the player that they became or that, that we expected them to become after. But, you know, I was fortunately, I was fortunate where I had that at a young age and my body's still growing and still developing. So it didn't have the same effect on me as it did on someone whose body was pretty much developed. Um, and then obviously, you know, there's always the mental stuff. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the biggest transitions or one of the hardest transitions for a player going when you advance a level is that you go from being the man on your team or the woman on your team to now you're trying to figure out how can I be successful at this next level where everyone's better than everyone I ever played against. Uh, I remember my freshman year at, uh, at Indiana, I thought we were going to be the number one team in the country. I'm looking at other guys on my team and I'm like, yo, we're nice. Everybody is nice, but I'm, but I'm coming to it with the mindset of a kid that was in high school. Everybody, if we, if I had that team in high school, we'd have been state champions. We'd have been national champions in high school, but you get to college and everyone's that nice. And you're like, okay, this is different. And that team that I thought was going to be national champions didn't even finish 500. And then at the same time, I'm going from a high school team where my coach told me, I need you to take 30 shots a game to now I'm on a team where I'm not even playing the minutes that I feel like I should be playing. And I think for me, it was a struggle. Like the struggle was like trying to be, because if anyone kind of knows me, I'm a, I'm a team first guy. I'm not about myself. I don't care if I play 10 minutes. I don't care if I play 40 minutes. I just, well, I lie. I care if I play 10 minutes. I don't care if I play 40 minutes. I want to play at least 20 minutes. I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't even going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I want to be on the court, but I want to be on the court. I mean, like as a player, you want to be on the court or you want to be on the field. You want to be, you want to be able to say that you helped your team do what you wanted to do. Right. And I felt like I wasn't able to do that with that team. I felt like if I was to be able to play more, we could have, I could have helped our team in, in certain ways. And, you know, going, getting there um, for me was hard, like trying to understand, like, how can I be the guy that's, you know, may, I may not be playing every day, but maybe it's how do I push these guys harder in practice? And I think after those two years, that's what helped me in my first year at Georgetown where I had the red shirt because mentally I was prepared to sit out. You know, I knew that the practices were my games and I knew that, I, you know, I had guys like Jeff Green, Roy Hibbert, uh, Brandon Bowman, Ashanti Cook. Like I had really great players on my team at Georgetown. And I was like, every day in practice for y'all is going to suck because y'all going to face me every day because these are my games every day. And I think that mental hurdle that I had to struggle with my freshman year and even some of my sophomore year became a positive in the end because it allowed me to push those guys harder every day in practice, which allowed us to become a better team my redshirt year and then, you know, in the following years after that. Um, and then, you know, as I became a professional, I think some of the roadblocks is just life roadblocks. I mean, 
you know, like I said before, you know, me and my wife struggled with um, conceiving a child. That's something that's that's draining on 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 a person. You know, obviously as a man, it doesn't affect me as much as it does a woman. But knowing as a man, you you're you're taught that you got to be there for your wife, you got to provide, you got to do everything that you can to make her happy. And now you're trying, you're going through something like this, and it's something that you 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 really can't do anything with. So I'm going through that while playing seasons, while trying to be, you know, at a high level athlete, supposed to be working out and not, now I'm, you know, I'm upset. I don't want to go work out today because, you know, we may have had a miscarriage or something like that. So I don't want to work out for three days, four days, but that's affecting me in those ways. So, uh, you know, you definitely go through a, a lot of, a lot of uh, struggles in your career, but at the end of the day, it's how you pull through it. It's how you handle it that makes you really the, the, the person and, 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 uh, the success story that you want to be. Coach, that's so amazing. And and if you all don't know, I was telling, um, was telling Patrick that those babies, oh my goodness, it, it just immediately, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's what kind of resounds in my ears and the joy in those cuties faces that y'all <laughs> in the beginning. I mean, my goodness, God had a plan and, even in the midst of, you know, what I'm sure were difficult times. I know you look at those four beautiful children now and just say, God, you're amazing. Um, And so speaking of that, you know, coach, you know, we have our ups and we have our downs in our career and in our lives, you know, how does your faith drive you? Not only through those, you know, dark days, those good, but how does your faith keep you going in the midst of those things? Um, You know, it's been funny though, because, you know, I have a lot of friends who, who, who deal with mental health issues and they always ask me you know Pat why are you always just so happy like there's nothing it doesn't matter what happens in your life you just always seem to be happy or you always have some advice to tell somebody like there's never anything that could happen that really can shut you down and uh, and I'm to me that's always been you know God has a plan you know there's a purpose for everything and I always felt like if I let something get me too high or too low that I, I feel like that I personally would be challenging his plan and that's not what I want. So what I try to do is I try to stay as even kill as possible. And for me, even kill is happy. You know, my, I, I'm at my best when I'm happy. And I think that, you know, growing up the way I grew up, I, I spent a lot of my formative years living with my grandma and as, as many people who grew up probably living with their grandma, if anyone did, you know, you going to church every day. And I mean, every day. And, 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 you know, as a young kid, I hated it, but it, it allowed me to develop a relationship with God. And, and I'm, I'm so very, very thankful for that because that's what got me through everything. Like, you know, all the, all the negative things that happened to me, that's what get me through it. And even to this day, like if something happens, I just know that, all right, there's a reason we went through this. I got to put my faith in God and he's going to get me through it. And, you know, I've always said, especially to, like, people in my inner circle, I can never be mad at, you know, if anything happened in life, I can never be mad at God. Because from the day I was born, I was blessed. You know, many people aren't born into a situation like me. I was born and my dad was a year away from being a multi-multi-millionaire. You know, to be able to take care of me the way that he's taking care of me, put me in schools the way that I'm able to go to, to, to the schools I went to, to, you know, 
you know, handle learning disabilities that I had as a, as a youth. And he's able to pay for a doctor or pay for me to go to a special school for those things. And for me, you know, I would, as a, especially as a young black kid, you don't get those advantages unless your parents have money, you know? And so for me, I can never be upset with anything that ever happened to me in life because I knew that from the day I was born, God has blessed me uh, immensely, immensely. So, so for me, it's always been a thing. So anytime I've gone through something in life, you know, it's, as my grandma said it, pray about it, pray your way through it. And, 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 and God will come and he'll tell you, he'll show you, you know, the way to go. And I think that that's what got me through everything is, you know, when I, even when I know, like I'll stray away a little bit, and something will happen, I'm like, all right, this guy telling me I got to come back. I'm, I'm getting too far away. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that he did when I was uh, – my, my, my first year as a pro, I hurt myself. I, 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 uh, I got another microfracture in my other leg. And it was going to be the first year. I had to miss a whole year. And, and um, it would have been the first year of my life since, high, uh, since before high school where I was not on a team – I, was, I didn't have, you know, my friends around me because they're all playing or working and I'm living by myself. And he took basketball away from me. And I think he did that to allow me to grow spiritually. And that's when I started diving into my Bible. I was like, you know, it was that year. That I was like, all right, I'm going to read my Bible front to back. I'm going to really start to learn the word. I'm going to really start to um, invest time in becoming one with God. and I think that, you know, as, as I look back now, you know, I think that if, if it hadn't been for, you know, situations like that, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be who I was, who I am now. And, you know, looking back at it, you know, I felt like that was a year that would have been important for me, but, and it was important and it just wasn't at the important in the way I thought it would be athletically. It was important as my growth as a man and spiritually. I think that's so amazing coach that you say that, you know, a lot of times, we as Christians, when we go through those hard moments, we don't understand that that's God's way of building us. You know, and I love how you said that when he took that away from me, it allowed me to delve into my word. It allowed me to grow as a man of God and increase that facet of my spirituality. You know, those moments, those valley moments, as I talk about all the time, they prepare us for those, how to act on a mountaintop, right? And so if I go through those storms I don't know that God is good I don't understand that he can bring me out and so I just thank you so much for highlighting that because you're you're absolutely right absolutely right um you know you mentioned a lot about you know your your family and and your father and those things and of course this question you know I'm sure you get it millions of times but I have to ask as an athlete and making a decision to play basketball the same as your dad how did growing up and I don't want to say in the shadows because I love the fact that you created your own path and you talked about how he allowed you to do that. But how did playing the same game as your dad, um, how did that, you know, I don't want to say stifle you or make it better for you. What was that journey like to create your own path knowing dad was Patrick Ewing? Well, it's definitely a shadow, you know, and, and, and it's not a negative thing. I think a lot of few times when people say shadow, they presume it's negative and I don't look at it as a negative. Um, my dad is who he was, and I'm very thankful for that because he, he from an early age for me, set a bar for something to strive for, for something, something for me to 
be like, all right, I want to be like him. Like earlier I said, he was my superhero. I wanted to be like my superhero, you know? And so for me, it was when I finally figured out who he was and, and it took me a while, I'm not going to lie. So, I, you know, growing up, you know, I knew who, I knew my dad, but at the same time, like I didn't understand why everyone was so enamored with him. I just knew he was dad. And so for me, I think that as a young kid, I would go to the gym and I would mimic everything he did, like anyone else does with their parents or, or, or whoever they look up to. I'm mimicking every move he does. I remember being two years old in McDonough Gymnasium on Georgetown campus, watching him work out. And I'm literally doing every move that he's doing on a basket that they lower for me to the lowest that I could go. And that was the start of it for me. I mean, I just wanted to be just like him. And, you know, as a young kid, I remember doctors telling me, you're going to be seven feet. So I was like, well, shoot, if I'm going to be seven feet, I'm going to be Patrick Ewing 2.0 because I'm mimicking all his moves. And I feel like I'm more athletic than him. Like, it's going to be a problem for somebody if I'm seven feet. And I still feel like that. If I was seven feet, it would be a dominant – there would still be a dominant center in the league that wasn't shooting threes. Like, I still really feel like that. But, um, but like, you know, as I got older and I really started playing basketball and, like, really diving into it, uh, it allowed me – Un unknowingly to get everyone's best game. You know, everyone wants to make the name. I'm playing Patrick Ewan son tonight. Like, Patrick Ewan son might suck. You know what I'm saying? He might be the worst player in the world, but he Patrick Ewan son, so I'm a dog him. And so it made me learn at a young age, like, I can't take a day off. I got to go hard because everyone's going to try to embarrass me. And I don't like to be embarrassed. I really don't. Uh, I don't like to get dunked on. I don't like nobody making no shots in my face. You do something to me, I'm trying to do it back to you. I just didn't like I, I just had to go back. And so it allowed me to develop at a rate that I might not have developed uh, if I wasn't touching you or something because I just knew that I had to – I knew I was getting everybody's best game. And, you know, as I got older, um, by the end of high school, I already made a name for myself. Um, so I didn't really need – you know, to be on the best teams or play in AAU or nothing like that. So I just, you know, I kind of got tired of hearing the comparisons by that time. Uh, everyone's saying, oh, you know, is he going to be like his dad? Is he going to go to Georgetown? Is he going to do X, Y, and Z? You know, and, and, and by that time, I was just like, all right, I'm, like, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it. So I remember when I decided to go to Indiana, I'd be lying if I said part of the reason I didn't go is because I just didn't want to be in his shadow anymore. And that's me thinking shadow in a negative term. Um, and so after two years, when I was ready to leave, you know, coach John Thompson, the third was a, one of the first people to call me, if not the first person to call me when I announced I was going to transfer. And I remember looking at, I'm like, coach, you're John Thompson, the third at Georgetown. And you're trying to bring Patrick Ewing Jr. at Georgetown. Now you do remember what our dads did. Like, right. Like you do remember that they went to three national championship games, not final fours. Like, not Big East champion. They went to the national championship game three out of four years and lost by, like, a total of, like, four points. They lost two games by, like, four points total, and they won one. We can't do that. We ain't, we ain't going to do that. So I don't know why you calling my phone, bothering me with this nonsense, because I can't – I don't know if I, I can handle the media doing this with us. Like, and you shouldn't want the media to do it with you. And I remember on that phone call, he was like – Pat, you sound like an idiot. Like, don't not pick Georgetown because of what our fathers did. Like, if that was the case, I wouldn't have came here to begin with. You know, I wouldn't even be calling you to begin with if I was worried about what the media is going to do. 
I want you to come play here because one, you're going to grow up as a man. I can teach you to be, uh, become a man and, and learn how to navigate life with this name that you have. And two, I think athletically we'll be great if we have you. You're a piece that I see us, that I see helping us get to where we're trying to go. And in that conversation, that's when I was like, okay, this this man is someone who I can, who's going to be able to help me navigate life being Patrick Ewing if I don't make it to the mountaintop at which I wanted to make it to. And, you know, from there on, like, you know, I, I kind of just grew and learned to accept that, you know, the media is going to be the people who are going to compare me to my dad more than anybody else. You know, and if, and if I don't really focus on what the media has to say, then I don't really have to worry about it because I know I'm my own man. If anyone sees me play, they know I don't play anything like my dad. You know, and so at the end of the day, I just learned to accept uh, accept being Patrick Ewing Jr. and know that at the end of the day, it's still a bar that for me to strive to. You know, whether I – I mean, most people aren't going – make it to being one of the top 50 greatest players. But if I strive and work for it every day, no matter where I land, I'm still going to be successful in my eyes. And that's all I care about at the end of the day. I think that's so amazing, Coach. Um, Truly, truly do. You know, we're all, I tell people all the time, we're all in this pandemic now, right? It's not one of those things that's isolated regionally. You know, you talk about hurricanes and they look down at Florida. Uh, You talk about snowstorms and it's different places, but the pandemic has everybody in the same seat. It doesn't matter what race you are. It does not matter what socioeconomic status you are. We're all in the same seat. And since the pandemic, what has that changed for you? How has life changed for you? Rather that be good, bad, what adjustments have you had to make within this pandemic? Uh, I think, you know, the biggest the biggest adjustments you're making is just not being outside. Like, like you know, I have four children who love to be outside. And, you know, we live in a neighborhood where uh, it's kind of throwback-ish where all the kids meet up in the back alley and they play, you know, sports, ride bikes, um, fly drones, you know and stuff like that in the backyard and and that's been the hardest part because our kid all of our kids want to be outside and they want to enjoy time with each other and that's been the hardest part you know even sitting and talking to the other parents and uh discussing what's going on in their lives I mean it's just something that we've we've missed out or you know going to see friends me and my wife like to go to Top Golf and Top Golf being closed for most of the pandemic like that's been it's been rough but you know, at the same time, like everyone looks at it as negative. Like I've, 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 you know, you see everyone like F 2020 or, you know, I'm so tired of 2020. I can't wait for 2021. And I'm sitting here like, man, y'all are tripping because for me, you know, as, as a, a coach and, you know, as a, you know, some an athlete and someone who hasn't been able to be home as much, it's allowed me to be home. I, I have the best relationship with my 11 month old because I've been able to be home with her every day uh, throughout the whole pandemic. Like none of my children ever wanted to come to me. They're always been mommy, 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 mommy. But because I've been home now, my 11 month old is all about dad. And I love it. Like I had never experienced that before outside of, Oh, dad's home. Let's go run to dad, but then let's get me back tomorrow. So I've loved that aspect of it. And, and I, I felt like it's, it's allowed everyone to grow in a way that if you don't pay attention to it, if you look at everything as a, as a negative, then you're not going to see it. And so for me, I, I've been, I'm trying to look at the positives. You know, I, I, I've been, I've been able to be home or I've been able to spend time 
uh, fixing my house. Like I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to become like Bob the Builder over here. Like I'm trying to build everything in my house. And my mom, my wife, looking at me like I'm crazy. Like yo, you can't, you can't change the floors. Don't do that. Like, like yo, I don't want my house to look messed up. I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna try it. Like I got nothing but time now. Like I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can to, to grow during this time. Not, and, and I feel like if we continue to look at it from a negative standpoint, where you know, people have passed away, but yeah, people pass away all the time. Like everything's happening. Like I said, it's, it's, in, it's God's plan. Whatever's happening is God's plan. So don't, don't look at it as a negative, like try to take the, the positives out of it and grow from it. And I think that's where I've been able to be, uh, I guess, successful during this time because I'm trying to grow. I think that's so huge. One of the biggest things you said that I said here, I, you should see how many lines I have under it, where you said, don't miss your opportunity to grow looking at the negative. And I think so often we do that. You know, this pandemic, I said the same thing. We we say, God, oh, I just wish I had more time, right? And he threw time in our faces and we're being negative about it. I wish I had more time with my family. Okay, I have you home with your family. Now we're, you know, God, I just, I'm just tired. I just wish I could just rest, Lord. Okay, rest. Now we're upset about it. So I thank you so much just for highlighting that because that's what it seems like. And when you put it that way, it just makes so much more sense. And we can't miss our opportunities to grow. I think we can place that in so many different facets of our lives. We miss what God is trying to show us because we focus on the negative. We focus on the problem we're in and not God, what are you trying to show me? So I thank you so much just for highlighting that because I think that's huge. I think that is so huge. Um, understanding, and guys, I'm gonna open this up to everybody else. I tell y'all, you know, I can't let them rip, but because this is the servant leader, one of the questions I always try to ask everyone that comes on is, What does servant leadership look like to you? You know, I laugh so much because some of the best leaders, they're the ones that said what you said. You know, I had a praying grandmother, right? Um, she taught me that, you know, God pretty much has a plan. and. And with servant leadership, it takes on numerous forms. But what does servant leadership look like to you? To me, it's, 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 it's building people up and allowing them to be more successful than you. And I think that's what gets lost a lot when people are trying to be leaders. Uh, even myself, my first year as a coach, you know, I was very much a yeller, screamer. Uh, you know, this is how you need to do it. And I felt like I didn't get the best out of my guys because of that. And I had to take a step back and really pay attention to like, you know, everybody's not me. Everybody's not, my journey is different than everybody else's journey. There's not going to be another person that walks on this earth that's going to have the same journey I have. So I got to stop looking at it from a way that I was successful because I did A, B, C, D, E, and F. How can I, through my steps that I went through, help advance this person so that he can be better than me, so that she can be better than me, and allow them to, to have that success in their own life. Um, and, you know, like I like Jesus, Jesus was the perfect servant leader. I mean, if you look at the way that he taught his disciples, I mean, he, he, he would ask them questions. Look, I'm going to go ahead and get mad at the way. Coach, how you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Right. Um, number one, I was getting worried because there was some lag going on. I thought it was me. Long story to be around for, <laughs> but um, my con my continued condolences for uh, Coach Thompson and his family. Um, 
I don't know. I never got a chance to meet somebody like that in person, but I don't know. You just kind of felt like how to explain it. Part of the family, if you will, just, just right. watching them working. It's like, yo, yeah, I could play for him. Like, Big John is that dude. So uh, that was pretty cool. But thanks for coming on and sharing, man. Um, you, you, a couple of things that I'm gonna point out that I got from you. One, kids look at me crazy when I say something about going outside. And and that's big, though, because that's part of your development. Like, you stay sheltered and it's like all video games or, you know, you don't know about getting out of competing at an early age. Like you said, hey, I might have competed, but because Patrick Young was my dad, then everybody's coming at your throat because they want to make a name for themselves. Just being able to get outside and, and compete and do that. And, and the other thing was, Like not allowing yourself to get just mentally all the way down in the face of adversity when things don't go your way, whether it be like you say you're learning uh, issues with your grades or uh, the injuries or whatnot, because it's real easy to slip into that. Why me? Dang, you know why not the next person and whatnot? So I appreciate you being able to stay positive through all that and then be able to turn around and and feeding the others and whatnot. So that's, that's huge, man. So. Yeah. To, uh, to kind of chip, like kind of what you said, like the why me thing. So I, I like I tell you, my, that year that I, that I was, you know, I had to sit out because I was injured. Uh, my, my, after my, my would have been my second year as a pro. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't ha- have those moments. Um, because when I got hurt, I was, I was getting ready for an NBA call up, uh, and I got hurt. I thought I was going to be done for a couple weeks, you know, two months maybe. And wound up, you know, come, trying to come back and looking. And I couldn't move my body the same way that I was before. And I, you know, go to the doctor. He said, no, you got to have a surgery. You know, long story short, you're going to miss a year. And, you know, when he said that at first, I was like, all right, cool, whatever. But then I, I'm going through the season. So this is the year 2009, 2010. And that year, the Golden State Warriors had their whole roster get hurt. Their whole roster get hurt. And their, so basically their whole roster was compiled of D-League guys, guys that played in the NBA D-League. And I remember thinking that, you know, at some point, I felt like I should have been in the NBA already. But if I wasn't in the NBA and had to go to the D-League that year, then I definitely would have got called up because they calling up everybody who I just kicked their butt last year. Yeah, all hands on deck. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, man, that that that's supposed to be me. If I didn't make the roster, that was supposed to be me. And but like I said, at the end of the day, I was like, yo, there's a reason that you're not there right now. There's a re there there whatever the reason is, you don't know it. But for some reason, God said that's not you. That's it's not your time right there. I'm gonna get you there when if if you're supposed to be there, I'm gonna get you there when I'm when you go when you're supposed to be there. But that that right there for you is not it right now. And, you know, I look back at it, and, and if I had gone, you know, if I, if I say, let's say I would have played for Golden State that year, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in right now. I wouldn't have worked so hard that next year and and tapped into something that I didn't know that I had because the next year I probably had my best year of playing basketball, but it was because I was so driven. I was There was something that in me that I figured out, hey, look, 
if you want to get back to where you're supposed to be or where you feel like you should be, you got to go out and go get it. You got to take it. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't missed that year. So I, so I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a why me, not, I didn't have a why, why not me moment, but I turned that why not me moment into something positive and proceeded to outwork myself more than I ever had in my entire life. I feel that, man. I mean, and it's just a human aspect, especially when you want to get out and compete and contribute. Um, 100%. And it's like, wait a minute, I got to miss how long? A couple games? <laughs> oh, yes. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got another right. option. <laughs> Feel it. Feel it. But yeah, man, stay up. Be blessed on that, man. We appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, my brother. For sure. Hi, coach. I'm uh, my name is uh Patrick Anderson. I live here now in Orlando, Florida. Hey, and, that's uh, my home. That's my home right there, baby. Yeah, it's great. It's a great spot. Like I I'm from uh, originally from Chicago, so it's okay. like it's a huge adjustment for me down here. Oh, and for so sure. A lot of a lot of things have, like change like completely from Chicago <laughs> to be down here. Um, one of the uh, and I have a great connection uh, with that Georgetown team uh, with your father's team. Like uh, back in '84, '85, my cousin went to Georgetown. And so I was able to get on the campus, uh, actually hear a couple of practices by Coach Thompson. And I was like, oh, my God, is this – oh, this is what basketball is about. You know, I was about 13 and 14 and got to hear the practices and got to see them play a little bit. And so I was just kind of um, – one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is uh, spreading uh, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and having that balance as a, a head coach, how, how are you able to, uh, with examples of being able to uh, share the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and still be, you know, still be a coach? Like, how do you maintain that kind of balance? Uh, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of feeling out, you know, who's receptive to it. I mean, right. you know, I, one of the things to me. I'm, I'm, I'm only, I'm only asking that because I've seen a lot of coaches who, you know, who are believers and who follow Jesus Christ. And a lot of the players, they, you know, like they tend to not want to listen or, you know, get that, not being receptive of right. the word of so, like, for me, one of the things that I, that I, and I was thinking about this earlier before before we got on here is that, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone on here before a game, before the game, the team says the Lord's Prayer, right? Like, that's that's everybody saying that. And, and I remember one day I was sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yo, why do we do this before every game? Like, what? Like, do we do this because y'all really believe, or do we do this because – it's just what people have done their whole lives. And that's what we get used right. to and like getting into the, you know, that's just like how you get ready for a game. And for me, you know, I would always do it because I believe, like, I don't care what everyone else doing. I know me personally, that's what I would believe. And so as I got to be in the professional mm-hmm. realm, like, you know, I would start definitely going to more of the um, chapel. We mm-hmm. would have chapel before a game. And then when I went to Europe, 
you know, me and whoever was a believer, I would go up. We would be like, yo, guys, we're going to have this chapel for a game. If y'all want to come, we're going to sit over here. We're going to have chapel for a game. And then we're going to pray before the game. And then we're going to pray after the game. But it became a thing, like, where it wasn't just, like, saying it just to say it. Like, we just became – started doing things because that's, you know, because we believed and you know, we wanted to make sure that we were in the right mind space and like, we were dedicating our – you know, the way we played to, to Christ. And mm-hmm. so – as I took it into coaching, you know, right. I started bringing out every Sunday. I would send our guys a text. Hey, look, it's, you know, it's coach Ewan. I'm going to church this Sunday. If you want to roll Amen. with me, let me know before I go to eight, I go to eight o'clock service. Like I ain't finna sit there and go to the noon service. <laughs> noon service. We'd be there all day. Right, I'm not right. gonna, I, go to, I, go, I go to the eight o'clock service. Cause we're going to be done by 10. I got That's my right. word. I got my praise. You know, you know, and, and then I'm good. <laughs> so, I'm not trying to sit up there and go from noon to five. Like I'm not, I'm going to the early service. So, um, but I would tell our guys, I'm like, look guys, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go to church. If y'all want to come, I'll come scoop you up. We'll go to church. I'll even, you know, if y'all want to get some lunch after we'll go to lunch after and then we move. And then, you know, slowly but surely, you know, guys started joining. Okay. And, and then, you know, that's when I kind of knew, all right, all right, these guys are, are, are about it. And, I right. could pour into them and I will start sending them Bible. So like I, I, I go, I go through these things. So for the last, I think it's been three years. Mm-hmm. I, I've been, I've read a, in, I've been in my Bible every day, three years mm-hmm. straight. I got the Bible app and I literally, I, I am an anal about uh, making sure that I get my day checked off. You know what I mean? So, so when That's I right. get, so when <laughs> I get in the app and if I see there's something in there, like in, in one of my, in my, in one of my plans, I'll send it to a guy who I think needs to hear it, whether they believe or not. I don't care now at that point. Okay. And it's up to them whether they take it and use it or not, but they're knowing that I'm thinking about them in that light or Amen. whatever it says they got it. I want them to pay attention to it. So that's how I've kind of navigated uh, uh, into it with my coaching uh, and, and in my playing days as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you. God oh, bless you're you. Welcome, coach. What, what, where in Orlando are you? I'm in uh, Dr. Phillips. Okay, okay. I'm Lake yeah. Yola, dude. I, Say that. We, I'm, I'm La- I was in Lake Yola. I'm Lake Yola. Oh, okay. I know exactly yeah. where that is. We, we yeah, looked at a home over there in that yeah. area. I miss yeah. it. Every, every, every month, I think about moving back. Every <laughs> month. Me and my wife, we, see, we keep looking at the house. I'm like, man, we got to get back to Orlando. I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my wife wanted to be in a, like, a trendy area, and I'm like, okay, she put us right in the middle of things down here. Yeah, now. y'all, I said, y'all are good. I love it out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for answering. You're welcome. I'm sitting over here laughing, y'all, because uh, first of all, Patrick, well, I got both Patrick, sorry. Uh, so I'm laughing because I'm the same way. You, I'm not going to mess up my streak on the Bible app now. I'm telling <laughs> you. I remember it was like, because some days I won't go into the Bible app. I actually have my Bible. And it, I remember it could be 1156. I'm here. You know, check off my day. I, listen, let that streak in. It's like, I am over it. <laughs> I get you. It's huge. And I'm glad you um, asked that question. Shout out, to, uh, shout out to Langston University on your shirt. I love it. HBCU you stand up. Um, but I love how you asked that because that actually was one of my questions about normalizing coaches with faith. And that was the whole reason of the servant leader coaches Bible study, because it, it is. And, and I love how you said it. You said that, you know, pretty much I just checked the polls. 
of people. And I was laughing with Coach G in the chat because there are times, you know, where we do. My players, my girls do the Lord's Prayer before the game. And then it extends out to them saying their own prayers. And it is amazing when we start in November what those prayers sound like. And then what they sound like in February as we get closer to trying to make it to state, right? And then it, it, what it sounds like freshman year and then senior year what those prayers sound like. It, it's an amazing thing. And I think it's the best thing what you both said is that we're not pushing that. We're not, we're not trying to Bible beat. We just live it. And then I encourage you. And when you see that that's the walk that I'm taking, you that's that light. Like the word said, let your light so shine. And so when they begin to see my light, I want to know about it. What's this you're doing? And I'll never forget this past year, one of our seniors, actually our leading sco scorer, you know, you're talking about four years making it through and just watching us. We didn't say anything. We didn't make you do anything. And she gave her life to Christ. It, it, it was the most amazing thing in this world. And now she's on doing, you know, great things in Miami, but we know she has that foundation. So, you know, I was laughing with Coach GS. I remember the time we actually were rushing, getting to a game, a away game. And I was like, oh, we have to pray. And the ref's like, let's go. Take me up. You're not going to take Jesus. You're not going to take Jesus. You're just not going to take so absolutely, guys. You can if you want to, but I ain't going to say where you might go. But I, I <laughs> Absolutely. Do we have anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody else out. Yeah, Coach, I just wanted to say, I'm going to change it a little bit, but going back to your media comparing you to your dad, I think that's awesome that you brought that up. I think it's one of those things I know most of us on this call probably don't have the media after us like that. I know Coach Chelsea might, but <laughs> um, so most of us don't have the media comparing us, but you were able to see that that comparison was only coming from them. For a minute, you were like, oh no, I want to stay away from that because they're going to compare to us. And so we have that fear of other people comparing us. But I think on this call, most of us can relate to the fear of other people still comparing us, not the media, but we don't do things in order and we keep ourselves back because we're afraid of what's going what other people are going to think about us or what other people are going to say if we don't end up being the best at the, like, whatever it is that we do. So I think that's awesome. And I think that it was something that I really wanted to touch on because I think it is you had the media and some of us may not have related to that, but in reality, we all can relate to what we hold ourselves back from because we think that somebody else is going to think bad about us if we don't become the most amazing person ever at that job. And in reality, it's just, we just need to be us. So no, I appreciate you bringing that up. No, definitely. And, and, you know, I think for me personally, you know, the media was the big thing because, you know, with the name like Patrick Ewan, you know, that's, you just get that national, you know, attention. Um, but even like now to this day, like if, when I think about like my life, I actually had a conversation with a, with a, with a former teammate of mine, uh, like two days ago. And I had said to him, like, you know, I look back at it because me and him are trying to, we're thinking about starting a podcast together about, uh, mental health and sports and, you know, based around our faiths and, uh, you know, people who like, you know, as, as we're all, I'm sure, athletes in this conversation here, um, if I don't know if any of you guys saw the Weight of Gold documentary on HBO, but it talks about, it, check it out, check it out. And this is the, it kind of led me to want to do a podcast with my friend because you go through your whole life striving to, you know, as an athlete, you're like, I'm going to be an athlete. And no one really 
no one really wants you to venture out into like being like a, a better person. Like it allow you to be an athlete and that's it. And so, you know, you build up to this one moment of, of being an athlete though. So like for me, it's like getting, building up to get to the NBA, right? I finally get to the NBA. Now, if I look at my career now, uh, you know, I'm happy with what, the way my career went. But if I listen to what other people say, because I'm Patrick Ewing's son, they expect me to be Steph Curry. You know, they want me to be the 15, 16-year NBA player, all-star, all-world player because of who my father was. When in reality, I played seven games in the league. Seven, that's it. Over the course of three years, three and a half years, I played seven games in the NBA. And so a lot of people will look at that and like they'll joke like, oh, he sucked. Like you were, you were, you didn't turn, you weren't, you didn't turn out who you were supposed to be because you only played in seven games. You scored, you know, the only thing that you did better than your dad was you made three out of your four free throws or something like that. Like that's the joke that they'll have. And I'll be like, but I was successful. Like uh, in, in, in the history of the world, there's only been like 5,000 people who've ever made the NBA, whether you played one game or you played 15 years. And so from, and, but you'll say that the person who was a, you know, a decent college player that's from your hood, oh man, he was great. He had a great life. But because I'm Patrick Ewan's son, I'm supposed to be the 15, 16 year NBA player, you know, three-time NBA champion. I should have been an MVP, should have been an all-star Olympian. But in reality, that's, there's like 1% of the, 1% of the 1% of the population gets that. And so for me, I had to learn to be comfortable with being who I was like, and I will, I'll be lying to you if I said at first it, it, it didn't upset me, but I had to learn to grow and be like, Hey man, like, why are you upset about that? You made it to the NBA. You got drafted. Only 60 people get drafted every year. You know what I'm saying? Like you got drafted, you had it, you played in the NBA. You did something that most people can never say that they've done. Why are you upset with that? Like, why can't you take your story and give it to other people and allow them to grow from it and say, yeah, I may not have been who you thought I was going to be, but I was still successful because I did X, Y, and Z instead. And now I've, I've learned to be accepting of it. And I look back at my journey and I think I love the journey more than I like the destination. I love the way that the, my path to get to the NBA was better than me being in the NBA. It, it was way better. Like the way that I was able to grow as a man, the way that I was able to develop as an athlete was way better than the, 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 the time that I actually spent being there. And honestly, I, and I say this all the time, I think one of the reasons that God didn't allow me to be a 15, 16 year NBA player is because the way that a lot of them live their life. I think I would have probably fallen into that lifestyle. I really do. I don't, I don't, I really believe that if I would have been you know, NBA player, I'd be living in the streets. You know, I, I'm not a drinker. I don't do drugs or nothing like that. But I, but women back then were my vice. And I would be living in that life. And I think that because I wasn't, it allowed me to grow as a man. And when I say grow as a man, it allowed me to be a, find my wife, have a great family, and, and you know, put me more into my faith. So I don't regret not being that guy. I got there, but, and so I can say I got there, but at the end of the day, I'm on this path for a reason. And I think that, you know, I'm more thankful that I didn't make it because I do know me at 24, 25, 26 years old, 
I'd have been just like everybody else. No, I think that's awesome. And I think that's huge that you're able to understand and be being able to be just you being able to be Patrick Jr. And embrace that. And like you said, it wasn't easy. But being able to now live into that and really do that is probably very freeing. I appreciate that. What is it? Um, sorry. Sorry, Coach Chelsea. I'm taking over. <laughs> What is it that is holding you back from wanting to do that podcast? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So so this is something that me and him have been talking about for like two years. Really, it was his wife that was like, hey, you guys got this story. And you should, you guys have stories and y'all have connections. Y'all should go and do this. And at first we're like, yo, nah, yeah, whatever. Like, it sounds good. But um, honestly, in the last, literally in the last week, we have kind of been on it. And I actually got off the phone with, uh, a producer for the Knuckleheads podcast, which is uh, Quentin Richardson and, and, uh, and um, gosh, uh, I keep wanting to say Aaron Miles, but it's, uh, dang, Darius Miles. Darius Miles. Yeah, Q Rich and Darius Miles podcast. So Q Rich is like my big bro, and, and D Miles was like my favorite player when I was in high school, like any young person at the time. So uh, I talked to the producer for their podcast uh, this morning, and I was like, yo, what do we need to do to get this off the ground and so he's he's set me up with um with another person and we're gonna go down the line and we're I'm, we're trying to get it done within the next you know month or so and uh, we we really want it to be you know and, and and honestly it's not much like i'm not trying to have it be like to turn into something big but i think it's a way to get the story the, the story that people don't understand out like like i said like how did my wife going through a miscarriage while I'm in the middle of a basketball game affect the way I played the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like that's stuff that you, you look at these athletes like superheroes, but you don't know what's really going on outside the world. And, and one of the things that we want to normalize is being able to talk about uh, these, these things that you go through. Like it shouldn't be something that we feel like we got to hide because we have this, you know, persona that we have to keep up. No, like let's be real with ourselves and let's, people whether they're fans or young kids coming up who are going to experience the same thing let them understand what we went through as athletes and not just basketball players but athletes that were um <clears throat> that affect us on the daily yeah and i think what part of that too is that i think that we again i go back to the we hold ourselves back and that's why i asked that is because i think we don't understand how much of an impact that even our words can have even if it's just on one person and Definitely. i think even just making that podcast even if you only touched one person throughout the entire podcast i think that was one of my things that like i i have a podcast now too and I was so hesitant to put myself out there, so hesitant to do it. And finally I did it. And there's so much feedback on like just even touching one person. And so that's why I was asking. Awesome. But, well, I'm going to get, I'm gonna have to pick your brain about your podcast at some point. So if you it, yeah, leave your, just let me leave know. your number I, in the I, comments I like and I'll, and I'll reach out to you. Yes. Cause I really want to, I really, I'm really trying to learn about the podcast game. And so I'm trying to reach out to as many people as possible. Of course. I'll more than happy to help. Awesome. Kendra is awesome. What she failed to also realize is Coach Kendra has become all of our life coach. She's a, a coach and life coach. So she's become all of our life coaches over these past couple of months. So she's very modest, but she's going to be a great resource to you. Um, and I think it's so amazing what you're saying. It's definitely needed. Um, and much like you said, Coach Kendra, you know, even, hey, he left the 99 for the one. 
So even if that podcast reaches one, that's what's necessary. And you see it all the time. You know, you, you saw Paul George um, within the playoffs and people, because that's, that's what we do on social media. That's just what we do. We bash people. We talk about people because we feel we have a right to bash people. That's just, you know, we watch every day. And he talked about the fact that mental health was something he's dealing with. Dak Prescott, he talked about mental health. There's the depression, these things I'm dealing with. And it's a real thing. And so that is so necessary because we see these individuals, these athletes. And the biggest thing, too, a couple of months back, and I've, I mentioned her before, but sat down and had a conversation with Kathy Pondexter and placed her on the podcast. And she was so open about that identity crisis, that PTSD that people try to put on, of course, army vets and things like that or a bad situation. But I've played basketball my whole entire life. And now I've retired. I am in PTSD because what's next for me? And who is going to help me out of that? Who's going to talk me through that? So I think that is so needed so needed what you're doing and and just know you already have some immediate subscribers uh when you get that podcast up and running yeah appreciate it and that and that ptsd is so real and it's funny because i remember like when i was when i got offered my my job to coach at georgetown uh when jt3 was here i was always that player that i was like Yo, i'm gonna play till i'm 50 i'm never gonna retire like they're gonna have to force me to retire but um when john thompson the third called me he's like yo i got this position for you I was like, coach, the first time he called me, I was like, I'm not accepting no position to, to coach now. I still got like 10 years left. Like, I ain't thinking about retiring yet. And, you know, he was like, you know, he kind of laid it down for me. Like he did when I was in at Indiana. He laid it down for me. He was like, look, you playing overseas. You're not really playing that hard. Like you, I, I watched some of your games. You're playing, but you, you really just kind of coasting. You're getting a check. I'm trying to teach you how to do something next in life. And I always felt like, you know, John Thompson III was a godsend for me. Like, he always came knocking at the times where I needed him the most because I also knew that I wanted to play the 50, but I didn't. I also knew that I didn't want to be that guy who was trying to chase a job overseas playing basketball or in the NBA playing basketball, wherever playing basketball, couldn't get a job. And then all of a sudden, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't have my ducks lined up in a row other than the fact that, you know, you know my parents had set aside money for me. But, like, I didn't know I had my ducks lined up in a row to figure out what I wanted to do next in life. And I think that God sent John Thompson III in my life to always take care of me. And he saved me when I was leaving Indiana, and he saved me when I, when he thought I was time for me to retire. And, and it's literally led me to to where I am today. And, you know, I, I've been very fortunate and I to to have had someone like that because I didn't have that lull that you see a lot of players have where they'll be like, you know, I, for two years I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I'm begging, I'm knocking on everybody's door, begging them for a job. Nah, he, I was very fortunate where he – called me he said hey look you go and retire and you're going to take this job and I'm gonna teach you how to be a great coach and the rest is history I think that's so amazing and God will do that for us right he's gonna align sure. those people in our paths every day to save us to be our village members uh, I was talking to coach Chris who's on the line too and I'm gonna say this and give anybody else a chance to say any last things they want to say but they were talking about um, who sits at our table um, it was a podcast I listened to and he was talking about who sits at your table, right? When you, you know, when you are having those people around you, are they making you better? And, and, and I just think that as servant leaders, some of the best servant leaders, they were led by great people. I was just actually messaging a former coach of mine and uh, another person I look forward to, she's now my soror. And they were just saying, you know, they're proud of me. And I'm like, I'm here because of people like you, because you got it and you made the, the path plain for me. 
Um, so shout out to, you know, Coach Thompson Jr. Uh, definitely in our thoughts and prayers, his family. Uh, such a great man. Been watching from afar, so I can imagine what you got being in the front row seat to it. No, it was great. It was great. Anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody else out before we shut down. All right, so my final question for you, Coach. Um, just, of course, in these times and knowing that the ups and downs that you've been through, gone through, and in the midst of this pandemic and things and everything like that, um, not knowing whether sports are going to be played, coaches, you know, of course, furloughed from their jobs, all of these things, right? What are some encouraging messages that you would have for just coaches and leaders to be able to do those things, to step out and do those podcasts if they're thinking or in that jump rope position, like, I'm not sure. What encouraging message can you leave us with to just kind of move on those things and to look to God to move on those things? Well, I think about because, you know, as a, as a coach, I think now is a great time to work on your football. You know, when you're in the midst of the season, you don't have time to work on You players are working in some area. Coaching, man, talking about coaching, like, I think I could do a great X's and O's game. Great. I think I can. I think I can coach my butt off. But I also know that when it comes to player development, as much as I've been through every trainer, I don't remember half the drills that them trainers taught me. I just know they said, Pat, do this. And I did it. And, but after that, I was done. Like, I didn't think about it. I didn't ask questions about why we're doing this, how we're doing this, nothing like that. I just did it. And I remember the first time, you know, a coach said, Pat, I need you to lead drills today. And I was like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> that ain't me. Like, I don't know nothing about leading drills or what drills we're supposed to do. Like, what are we supposed to get better at? So, and, or, or even like watching a film and trying to figure out like, hey, I should have did this here when I, when I could have did this, or I did this when I should have did that. And like, just ways to, you know, really work on yourselves. I mean, like, like I said earlier, like this pandemic, like for me, you know, being able to be around my family, that was something that I wasn't used to, but I got to, it's something I asked for what I wanted. This is a time for us to get better. You know, don't, if you come out of the pandemic, the same coach you were when you went into it, that you didn't do yourself a service at all. You didn't, you, you know, God, like you said, God gave you time, Coach Chester, you said it, God gave us time that we asked for. What are you doing with it? What are you doing? Like, we're not on the road recruiting. We're not in the gym. Um, we're not in the gym working our kids out. You know, we're, we're, we're allowed to get better at our craft. We're, you know, and I think, you know, one of the things that this platform that you have right here, Coach Chelsea, is built for is, like, you got other coaches here. Y'all asking each other questions. Well, and I don't even know if y'all all coach basketball or whatever, you know, what coaches, but we're all athletes. And at some, at some point, we can all intersect and ask each other questions because, like we said, there's different types of leadership. There's different type of, you know, mentalities for each player. Like, maybe I coached one type, one player who I can yell at and he responds to it. But then I coach somebody else who are, they respond, they don't, they can't respond to it. They shut down, but I don't know how to reach that person. And maybe there's somebody in here that knows how to reach that person and you can pick their brain out of like how they were able to do it. Like how, how do we, so we got to continue to grow every day. And if we're not, like I said, if we're not growing through this pandemic, then you did yourself a disservice. You did yourself a disservice because God allowed us to grow in a way that we normally don't have a chance to grow in. Kind of, you know, write down what you think your flaws are, write down what you think you're great at, get sharp at what you're great at, and then get sharper at what you're not great at. You know, just allow yourself to continue to grow and don't don't look at it as a negative because we're going to continue to keep pushing. And I think that as we continue to to get through this pandemic, 
you know, one of the things that one of my mentors told me was to call coaches. Like, if, you, if you're looking for a job at the next level and you got the number of or, you are, or you're familiar with coaches who are coaching at levels above you, why haven't you reached out to them yet? Because you know they're at home and you know they got their phone in their pocket or they on their hand because they ain't nothing else to do. You know, so reach out to them and pick their brain or allow them to to understand what, um, kind of what what you see when you watch their games and you know in, in five, six, you know, before five years when somebody they gonna think about to these conversations that they had with you and you might be the next person they call. So it's continue to develop these relationships and continue to grow uh, in your craft. And I mean, I think that's what, you know, the best way to move forward through this pandemic is uh, as a leader and a coach. So awesome, coach. So much wisdom today. And, and I love it, coach, because you're just so humble. And that's one of the things that we found um, just having individuals come on and talk to us um, on the servant leader is they're so humble. I mean, just and transparent. And one of the things we've learned about servant leadership is just when we are transparent, we don't realize who we're helping. We don't realize who we're saving, you know, and I was telling those that came on after, I was like, before we even began, you spoke with one of our other, you know, coaches on the call and you all formed a commonality of some struggles you both went through and that beauty for ashes moment. Well, now we know what we went through, but we have these beautiful children we were raising. So right. I thank you just for being so transparent and open and honest with us today, um, just about your journey, about what you've gone through um, and, and what you're doing right now. And just know that I thank you. As I said before, time is one of those things we can't get back and you gave it. And so I appreciate you so much for that. If there's anything that we can ever do, please know that you just reach out that podcast. We're going to be on the lookout for it. Um, and, and I actually connect with you on the Bible app because I want to see some of those plans that you're reading uh, to keep my streak going, too. So just know I thank you, Coach, so much just for being here today. No, definitely. And, and, and before I leave, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for having me on here. Um, I think this is great. Uh, I think that any time that you can get you know, groups of people, this is, this is church, you know, when, when two or more speaking in my name, that's, that's, there I am, you know, so he's here with us. And I think that this is great. Um, just continue to develop and, you know, we're creating relationships and, and allowing each other to learn from each other. And, you know, I think that this is important, you know, something, uh, events like this are important, uh, not only for, you know, us who are, you've given a platform to speak, but for us to feed in the people. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, that's, that's part of the servant leadership. Like you said, like I'm trying to feed into people so they can be better than me. You know, I may not be the greatest, but if I can feed into somebody and allow them to develop and become the greatest, then I know that I'm successful at the end of the day. I know that I'm, I'm I, de I definitely believe I was put here to be a mentor to people. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons God has put me in a position to that I'm in. And I hope to continue to be able to, you know, develop those kind of relationships with, with anybody. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out. If y'all ever have any questions, um, reach out to me. I'm always accessible on um, social media. I can give you my phone number, my email address and all that other stuff. And I'll be happy to uh, continue conversations. If you have any questions or, or anything, you know, I'm happy to help anybody with anything that I can, whether it's sports related, not sports related. I don't care. You know, I'm just here to try to empower people and, and allow people to be the best person that they can be. So, you know, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope God continues to bless every last one of y'all. 
and everyone that's not in here as well. But, you know, I just hope we continue to, to, to be prosperous and stay healthy through this pandemic because, you know, God's doing something in, in the world right now. And, you know, I hope we just continue to, to, <clears throat> to grow and, and be better every day. So thank you guys for having me and listening to me. And like I said, if y'all need, ever need anything, and, you know, I'm not hard to reach. I'm, I'm, I'm very easily accessible. So feel free to, to anytime you want to reach out. Servant leadership at its finest. Thank you, Coach. Um, if everybody could just bow your heads for a moment, we'll close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for what we've seen and what we've heard today, Lord God. We thank you right now, Lord God, for what you're doing. Even if we don't understand what it is, you have a plan. We thank you right now, Lord God, for Patrick Union, Ewing Jr., Lord God. I ask that you keep your hand on him and his family, Lord God. Reach out before him, Lord God, and let him know that you have a plan. It's already laid out, Lord God, and he's willing to walk in it, so you're going to bless it, Lord God. Touch every coach, Lord God, that's on this call, and those that are not on this call, Lord God, but have opened back up to their programs, Lord God, and their jobs, Lord God. Touch them and go forward, Lord God. Heal our land, Lord God, not just of the pandemic, Lord God, but of the pandemic of racism, Lord God, the pandemic of hate, Lord God, the pandemic of all of these things that people may not even know what's going on in their world, Lord God. Heal it, Lord God. You said, just like Patrick said, if two or three are gathered there, you'll be also. So we thank you for joining today. We thank you for being here with us today, Lord God. But most of all, help us to continue to be leaders, Lord God. Help us to decrease so we can increase, Lord God, in anything that you would ask us to do. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. If we can do anything for you, just reach out. And thank you guys for listening.